grab your coffee. It's time for an episode of Chit Chat with the Queer and Creative. I'm your host, Melissa De Silva. Well, hello, Chit Chatters. I am so honored that you are listening to this podcast today. If you are enjoying the show, please rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to. Every day, I think about how lucky I am to have the life that I'm absolutely in love with. I often think back to some of the people that allowed me to get to where I am today. There have been so many people who I'm so grateful for, and one of them is my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Lamb. I know we all have the teacher who is our favorite, but to me, Mrs. Lamb has been a lifelong teacher and guide for me. She was the first person to get me involved with a therapist when my parents were getting divorced. And when I was 10, this was a whole new world for me, which was probably the seed that was planted for me to becoming a therapist in the future. But throughout high school, Mrs. Lamb and I kept in touch. We would visit each other in the community. I would visit her at her store because she was retired from teaching at that point. And when I got to grad school, I asked her if she could help me because of my learning disability. I can't spell worth shit. And my sentence structures are awful. To this day, I still have to look up the word beautiful to spell it correctly. But Mrs. Lamb agreed to be my editor for a lot of my research papers, and I know some of them were pretty tough to get through. And for the past 15 years, I've house sat for her and her husband why they've been able to travel the world, which I feel is something that was so important to them. And I'm so glad that I've been able to help them out with that dream. And throughout the years, I've gone to her for advice and guidance on many of my life decisions. She has been able to provide me with wisdom that I wouldn't have had access to if it wasn't for her. I have been lucky to have Mrs. Lamb in my life as one of my guides and teachers. As we get older and start our new adventures, either in life and business, we also think that we no longer need these supports. But I have found this not to be true because most of the time we need somebody there who's already walked that path to help us, guide us to the decisions and maybe just to bounce the thoughts off of. My guest today has been that for many people. Hannah Stregner is a guide for many people. She is a guide for queer entrepreneurs through their coming out journey, whether it is through work or personal life or even just everyday struggles. So throughout my interview, Hannah shares her journey in finding her truth, and I hope that it's inspiring for you. So here's my interview with Hannah Stregner. Hello, Chit Chatters. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Chit Chat with the Queer and Creative. I'm so very lucky because I have a guest today who is a queer guide. And Hannah Stregner helps individuals navigate their coming out journey so they can live their best, most authentic life. Don't we all wish we could do that? Growing up in a small, conservative town and being raised Catholic, Hannah understands the isolation and internal struggle of coming to terms with your sexuality. She is on the mission to make sure no one has to walk that journey alone. And when she is not helping people find who they authentically are, you can find her loving on her adorable rescue rabbits or walking around in one of Minnesota's 10,000 lakes. That's amazing how many lakes Minnesota has. 
Wow. Thank you, Hannah, for joining me today (laughs) and putting up with my ramblings. (laughs) No, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell me, what is a queer guide? Queer guide, I found it's a, because I don't like the word like coach. That seems like too, I don't know, like I'm not coaching a volleyball team or a basketball team or something. And there's a lot of life coaches out there. And I consider myself more of a, a guide. Like I'm there helping individuals along their journey, guiding them through all the ups and downs that come along with, you know, coming out, like whether it's with friends and family who may not be supportive and affirming or, you know, navigating what relationships change and work situations and stuff like that. So I really, I like to consider myself a guide. On people's journeys. Now, I feel like you should have a cape and a staff. I think so too. I think I can make that happen. (laughs) I think that would really go with some good branding. Yeah, I've got like some Gandalf vibes coming on. I think we can really like work with that. (laughs) Yes. Now, how do you help people find out who they authentically are? Because I find that that's really difficult. I mean, as somebody who's in my 30s, I feel like it wasn't until then that I realized who I was and still growing every day. How do you help people find their way? Yeah, no, I I totally feel that too, because I'm also in my early 30s and I'm just kind of starting to kind of come into who I authentically am, like what my kind of truth is. And, you know, I really have the COVID to thank for that. Oddly enough, as Don't that we sounds, because huh? <laughs> <laughs> I am a creative director for a media company, and I got furloughed when things kind of started kicking up because we were in a space that there were no events, so therefore no events, no jobs, and that gave me really a lot of time to kind of think and just what do I want with my life, which connected me kind of into greater like awareness of who I am and my identity in the LGBTQ community and kind of leading me into this guide route. So I like to help people just quiet that outer societal noise that we all know way too well with all the media and the social stuff and really, you know, tune into what their soul is telling them. Being able to learn how to to tune in, listen to that, trust that, you know, and encouraging just experimentation and playing around and having fun. And like, it's okay to be outside of the box because you'll get to learn so much. You'll get to learn, you know, what you do like and what you don't like, which is just as an informative and providing a, a really a safe space to be able to explore the multiple facets that we we all have as human beings. Interesting. And I think I had kind of the similar journey with COVID. I mean, COVID made us all kind of stop and look at like, holy shit, do I like the person that I'm with? Because Mm -hmm. we're trapped together for weeks (laughs) on end. (laughs) And then figuring out some of us how to just change the whole way that we did our jobs Mm -hmm. and figure out how we adjust, which is great. Humans are good at adjusting. We kick and scream first, but then we tend to kind of settle into what we need to do. So true. But, you know, for me, I had to think outside the box, too. I'm moving to Puerto Rico, and I have been married, and now I'm consciously uncoupling. So it's like in the past six months, due to COVID, I've decided, like, all this is who I am. And everybody was just kind of like, well, aren't you going to be lonely? You know, do you have any friends who just moves to a different country just out of nowhere? Yeah. But like you said, I felt it inside. Like there was this physical pull that was almost there. And that's really where I knew like this is what I needed to do. Do you find that other people have that too? Almost like a physical feeling of like being pulled towards something? 
Mm -hmm, 100%. And then that's kind of what I felt too, multiple times throughout this last year with COVID. And, you know, a lot of it is when people feel that pull, like it's exciting. It's like, ooh, like I do want to do this, but there's that fear like, ooh, like that's I might crack my pants. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, you know, because you don't know what's, it's unknown. You've never done something before. Like I can't believe like picking up and moving to a new country like that terrifying so kudos to you thanks um, <laughs> me and my dog yep, yep that's all you need really is one little fur friend it'll get yep. you going <laughs> but yeah but I think if you just have that like courage to to listen to that intuition and take that leap of faith like so many doors open up now you know I like think of like you know my journey in throughout the last year is if you would have asked me this time last year, like if I were to be a queer guy and I'm like, eh, no, cause that's still, that was a piece of me that I didn't necessarily hide, but I didn't talk about it. Cause there, obviously there's a lot of, you know, internal stuff we deal with when we're coming to terms with everything. And even after we come out, it's like, do I really want to be visible? Because there's so mm-hmm. much just, I don't know, stereotypes and a lot of just fear of the unknown when people are different. And so it's like, do I want to open myself up to that? Do I not want to? But when you keep feeling this pull and it's like constant and all these little things pop up that are like telling you like, you really should try it over here. And you listen and you go and like things open up, you meet like amazing new people, which Mm -hmm. gives you then that like support and that encouragement and you see them doing their thing, you're doing your thing. And it's just, it becomes just like a really beautiful life then. And I see that it inspires other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten many messages from people like, I can't believe you've done what you're doing. It's very inspiring to follow your dreams and really take that leap of faith. And I think that it's important for all of us to really find who our authentic selves are because then we can inspire other people to oh, really find who they are. Now, these rescue rabbits, I'm very interested in them. Yes. Tell me, how did you get involved in rescuing rabbits? I have to say, I have a nickname called the rabbit. Oh, um, yeah? Oh, yeah. When I get very angry, I get very punchy. Ah, <laughs> yes. Very <laughs> <Pretty> quick. <laughs> and so if I'm mad, I'll end an email with the rabbit and they know. But oh, I love I don't that. know. Do rabbits typically have like that quick turn, like very punchy type of thing? <laughs> they do. Like when they're upset or angry or they're like on like edge, they do like this really quick like thump of their back feet. So you're like, ooh, something's going on there. Like what's <laughs> <Yeah>. wrong? <laughs> Yep. You need some help. Yep, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) And so do you just like rescue any rabbit? Is there a special type of rabbit? Are you knitting sweaters from their fur? I'm very interested. (laughs) I could. So I kind of happened by accident. Like I never in a million years thought I was going to own a rabbit because like that's not something that's you know, it's cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. But my roommate at the time was on like the Animal Humane Society website looking for a new friend for her bird. So we're looking at birds and I'm like, okay, do we really need another bird? But sure. Um, <laughs> and we came across this rabbit who, I don't know what, however they took her picture, she looked absolutely ridiculous. Like I swear to God, she looked like a llama. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. <laughs> and I'm like, let's go meet this, this little fluffy thing. And so we ended up I think it was like, it was in February, so it was snowing. We went like clear across town, like half hour drive. We get there, we meet this rabbit, and I'm like, 
I didn't drive all this way in the snow just to see the rabbit. So all of a sudden this little fluff ball, Sophia comes home with me and I'm like learning on the fly, how you take care of them. And like, she was an English Angora. So like her fur was wool. So that is one where you can like, obviously she needed constant grooming and trimming where we could have made something with the fur, but I'm not very savvy in regards to like that fiber art. I would have sold it on eBay. (laughs) <laughs> actually my, one of my friends is like into that stuff so I'm like here you go um, nice. <laughs> I don't think she's done anything with it yet but she has it and she has her own angora now so I think she has like this huge pile of angora fluff <laughs> just nice waiting. <laughs> just waiting <laughs> yes. and then I ended up getting involved with one of our local rabbit rescues and doing some volunteering with them and we ended up fostering some rabbits and then um one of our fosters, we failed hard. And so we foster fails good though, because we ended up adopting her into our home. So yeah, we just, it's kind of like, there's no specific breed or type. It's just kind of, you know, if one of them speaks to me and they kind of just, they're all have their own weird quirks and stuff. And like you, you, you belong (laughs) in this family. (laughs) Now, how many rabbits do you have right now? Right now I have two. Okay. And what do you think is the reason why there's so many rabbits that need to be rescued? I think they're misunderstood. A lot of times too, like you will see people who get rabbits like for Easter, like, oh, this is fun for my little kid, not realizing the amount of work that rabbits are. And, you know, they're different than cats and dogs. They're not always cuddly because they're prey animals. So people have that, you know, oh, I just want to cuddle. And then they don't cuddle. And then they like, you know, give them up. And so, you know, part of what the rescue part of does is like that education on mm. and really like helping people who, who are new rabbit owners, how to really care for them and love them and get to understand them. And so I think it's just a lack of awareness and knowledge on how they are different from your typical pet. What's one thing that most people wouldn't know about living with a rabbit? Um, you need to protect your cords, which maybe isn't that surprising. (laughs) They do like cords. (laughs) Yeah, but I've lost a few phone chargers and stuff along the lines. What is it it about the cords that they like? Is it just like a plastic taste? It it might, and maybe it's just because it looks like hay because it's long and skinny. I don't know. Or this, like, you know what? This is fun. It's on the ground. I'm going to chew on it. I wonder if you spray it with coyote pee, if it would deter them. (laughs) Try it. I don't know if it would smell so great in the house, but... (laughs) I had to do that because I had stray cats just pooping in my garden. Oh my goodness. And so I got coyote urine. How do they get coyote urine? I don't know, but they bottle it up. I want to know. (laughs) And the warning sign it says may attract coyotes. I was like, I don't know what's worse. The cats poop it or attracting coyotes. Well, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So coyote pee might help with the the wire situation. But I think another, you know, thing is that they each have their own personalities and, you know, it, it takes a little while for them to warm up, but they are like super, like they're a great companion, great listeners. I mean, those big ears, very Mm. good at listening. So now did the bird get along with Sophia? For the most part. I mean, they interacted a little bit. Sophia liked eating the seeds that he kicked up on the floor. Okay. Okay, whatever. All right. Um, Was it that symbiotic relationship? Yeah, so, just a little bit. They're like, here you go, have some more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was actually really cool on the timing with Sophia is that was about the time, because I didn't come out till I was like 24-ish, and I had like suppressed that way down, like, because growing up Catholic, like, that was something that 
you were taught was a sin and being in a small town, like I didn't have any frame of reference for what it meant to be gay. And so like, as I'm figuring this out, like in therapy and then like I come home and I'd be with Sophia and like, she was like the first being (laughs) I told, like that was how I practiced kind of saying the words, you know, I'm gay. And like, how did I want to come out to friends and family? And so she was such a great little listener. And obviously that unconditional love like pets have, like Mm. she was just such a crucial, crucial part in that beginning journey for me. It's interesting when you say there was no frame of reference. I had that experience too, because I thought lesbianism was new to the world when I came around in the 80s, because I had no frame of reference. And it's so interesting that it's important to have people everywhere so that we can teach our children about there are different families and things like that. But it's really interesting how we just kind of learn what we see. It's interesting. And that's why I love, like, I ended up moving from, you know, middle of Wisconsin. Now I'm in like the Minneapolis area of Minnesota. And like, I went to art school and art school, there's a lot of interesting characters. And that like, yes. totally like blew my mind. Cause I'm like, this is how people are. And then I come over to Minneapolis and I'm like, wow, like my whole world was opened. Mm. And I think that's when like, I started seeing like different types of people and like different ways to just live and love. And like, I credit that shift too, to really expanding my awareness. Cause I, I sometimes wonder what would have transpired had I stayed in that small town. Mm. And you said that you grew up in a a very Christian family. Mm -hmm. Did they have conversion therapy available? Because I recently did an interview with somebody that had conversion therapy. Did they have that in your town? Not that I was aware of. That was never Mm -hmm. anything that came up as, you know, I was growing up because there was Mm -hmm. nobody that I knew or was aware of that was openly out. And when I came out to my parents, I was, you know, not at home. I was living in a different state. I was, you know, in my mid-20s. And that was thankfully nothing that they brought up. And Mm. it's it took them a while to kind of wrap their heads around it. And there's conversations that are still being had. On just that understanding of how do you kind of, I don't know if reconcile is the right word, but like what you grew up believing, what, you know, is in the Bible, like, is that translation true? I don't know. But it's kind of breaking some of those beliefs from your organized religion versus like that personal faith. Because I I still have my own personal faith, my own personal relationship with God. And it's just, I don't need a specific church in their rules telling me like, if I'm a good person or not. Mm-hmm. And was that hard for you to kind of have that divorce in that process? Yeah, it was definitely probably one of the biggest struggles um, mm-hmm. coming to terms with my sexuality is I had to resolve that piece for myself, which actually wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Like initially it was, but then I ended up being out on this beautiful hike not too far from where I live and it happened to fall on National Coming Out Day. I didn't know it at the time, but I had like this profound sense of peace just kind of wash over me. And so like I knew in that moment, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm going to be okay. Because like, for me, that sort of peace is only the kind that like God can give. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, we're good. I got you. Um, (laughs) And the hardest part is really, you know, like my dad, especially like he's trying, but it's just kind of resolving. Like he has 60 plus years of his faith and what he knows and believes and like all of a sudden his daughter's gay and it's, you know, how do you 
reshuffle everything that you you've known Mm -hmm. um and so that's the hardest piece is just I think the people who are are still really ingrained in some of those specific things in the different you know denominations and it's okay like I am gay I have faith like I'm not going Mm -hmm. to hell like you don't need to save me and it's I think that constant conversation which is the most difficult part of of that journey yeah. Now, where do you think we're going to find you in five years? Ooh, good question. Hopefully somewhere warmer, maybe. Like um, Puerto Rico? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come visit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I see myself, like, I, I studied animation. Like, that was my lifeblood. Um, that's what I studied in school. That's like, I'm like, I'm going to Pixar. But now, like, life has thrown me, obviously, on a different track and... You know, I really, really want to be able to continue serving the queer community and, you know, because being here and serving also helps me with my identity and my self-acceptance because it's something that's, it's a, it's a journey. It's something I'll probably always be on um, as I learn more and more about myself. But I see myself in five years kind of combining the two, my love for animation and my passion for this community. And, you know, whether it's using animation and like my messaging to people or maybe there's a bigger project in the works, like maybe there's like short films or different things I can be involved in. And so I think combining those two pieces of who I am is something I can definitely see in the next five years. And I've noticed that there are more trans individuals being represented in cartoons now. Mm-hmm. Big Mouth, the series yeah. I recently watched, they had a trans individual. And it was like, this is amazing. Cartoons lead the way, man. Right? They certainly do. Uh, and if nobody has watched this show, it's very much around children going through puberty. It's very raunchy would be the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> But really good sexual education. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I mean, important. there's a kid that has sex with pillows. I don't know. If that's really. <laughs> but they are identifying people are transgender, and it's important to have them a part of you know yes. our everyday culture. And I think that that is great. Yeah, so. That's- beautiful and I love like you know even thinking about like when I grew up and like you know what you were saying there's no frame of reference there's nobody you can look up to aside like for me like Ellen was on the air like obviously she's still on there with her talk show but having like cartoons and shows and different things where you're it's just normal like okay yeah. there's a, a trans character there's you know gay characters there's you know binary people and the more you can see yourself like represented and the more you can see just the beautiful diversity of mm-hmm. people. And I think that goes a long way just for society in general, too, because like now you're not just seeing one sort of people in the media. You have this this beautiful variety. And really, kids are really accepting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you tell them that there's a beast that's going to turn into a human being with a They're kiss. Like, Sweet. You're like, okay. <laughs> so, where can I find a beast to kiss? <laughs> right. Like having two moms is not really that like yep. <laughs> that special for you know. You just tell them how it is, and they just accept it for how it is. Yep. And I think that's why it's important that we have this representation for you know, our kids, because they grow up realizing it's normal. Exactly. Um, So yes, hopefully there is a huge project out there that lets you pave the way for other animators in the future. Yes, I hope so. That would be great. Yeah. So Hannah, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. Where can people find you and more information? Yeah, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. That's my jam. And my handle is just Hannah Stranger. 
And Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be the real. But that's kind of cool. That gives you like a, I don't know, like an era of authority. Like I'm the real well, one. Yeah. People have tried to steal my account name, so I'm real. <laughs> See, somebody has my name, so I had to put at real Melissa De Silva. She has one post and she will not give up her name. <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm the real. Exactly. You just work that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we can find you on Instagram. Uh, do you have a website? I do. Also, just hannahstranger.com. It is a work in progress. We're up there. I had actually pivoted. So I was coaching creatives at the end of last year until I finally like honored the pull and the call to be serving the LGBTQ community. So it's up, it's running. And it's, like I said, there'll be more stuff added. And I have a newsletter that I launched too, just kind of a a resource, like things that like I found really interesting about the community, resources to have, stories, and just little things that, you know, I, I like to queer up people's inboxes, give them something, yes. you know, a little, a little more, I don't know, well-rounded, if you want to say. So I have that sign up at my, at my website as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. And I appreciate everything that you're doing for the community. Thank you so much. And I'm sure our audience appreciates it as well. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. So please follow Hannah on all her social media and book a call with her if you feel like you need guidance in your life. And don't forget that I have a free downloadable journal, so it helps you transform your life in 30 days. So you can get that over on my website, melissadesilva.com. So until next time, keep being amazing and keep loving each other. Love you. Bye-bye. <music>